You are listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. Welcome back. Thanks again for joining us here at Grab Them by the Pod. I am Kevin, along with Jesse, and you've got your All Things Trump, Washington, D.C., American Politics podcast. Jesse, what's in store for us tonight? Well, you know, we've got a really weird week so far going on. It's only Tuesday. We had the eclipse yesterday, which I know a lot of people were very excited about. Um, I hope nobody of our listeners burned their eyeballs out staring at the sun for too long. I think the president did, though. Yeah, did you see that? I saw that picture. The, you know, that, that would explain some things. Sums everything up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I spent all day in a hospital today, but I'm okay. You have to go to uh, work for the first time in many months tomorrow. It's going to be a long day. So, uh, you know, we got a lot of things happening in our lives, but it doesn't mean we can't take time out and talk about what's happening in the lives of people in Washington, D.C. And, of course, we're going to start with uh, Trump's speech yesterday. I think it was his first speech in prime time. Uh, he wanted to come out and talk a little bit about Afghanistan. Uh, some might argue he's trying to you know, change the, the story on the front page so people aren't talking about him being a racist or supporting racists. Uh, do, do you think that's the, the reason behind this speech? It certainly seems to go along with everything else that's happened in the Trump presidency thus far. You know, when something isn't going his way, change the storyline. It's change the storyline. Yeah, don't change your we'll views. Forget. Change the story. You know, Americans are fickle. We'll we'll move on to the next thing and, and we'll forget the whole fact that, you know, the man's a glaring racist and that he colludes with Russia and so on and so forth. ABP always be pivoting. Uh, so um, he had a talk on, again, it was his first primetime address uh, to the United States, which I'm sure will um, really get his goat that um, a comparable one to Obama got more people uh, watching it than his. But, you know, he'll lie. Those are fake news stories. He gets the most watchers, most viewers. Uh, so he talked about what he wants to do in Afghanistan. Uh, and as usual, when it comes to Trump's plans, uh, the details are kind of scarce. So there was speculation that he was going to send between 3,000 and 5,000 additional troops to Afghanistan. Uh, but but Trump's not saying, as usual, you know, I'm not telling you the details, but it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be wonderful. But I'm not going to tell the enemy what exactly we're doing. Uh, it's expected he's going to send about, I guess at this point, 4,000 more troops. Um, but he doesn't want to say how long they're going to be there, whether it's indefinitely. Um, it's... It's pure Trump. It's it's that he says a lot of big words and big plans, but doesn't tell you exactly what he's going to do. Well, it's narcissism and grandiosity at its finest on display, as always in the Trump administration. The plan's terrific, but we just can't <laughs> tell you what it is. You know, does Trump really believe that this is a winnable war? You know, if he takes a lesson from history, which, as we've talked about before, he isn't necessarily uh, a student of, that. You're dealing with a country, first of all, he should ask his buddy, Vladimir Putin, you know, what happened in the 1980s. This is a country that outlasted the Soviet Union, the, you know, the other world power at the time in the 1980s, the Mujahideen, right? Uh, the, Osama bin Laden became famous for that. And, you know, it's a country full of tribal factions. It's, it's not necessarily, not necessarily, excuse me, a, a country that is suitable for the style of democracy that we've been trying to push on them for the last 15 years, is this really a place where we're going to be successful? And the numbers and, and historically here, it doesn't seem to add up. No, we're not going to win. It's really impossible to win 
in Afghanistan. And I think what Trump's going for is not winning, just not losing, you know, that where he can kind of pull out and say, oh, we didn't we didn't lose. Uh, I love how he says that conditions on the ground, not arbitrary timetables, uh, will guide their strategy. Well, do you think in the previous two administrations, they were like, well, you know, I know conditions on the ground say one thing, but we have our timetables, so screw it. No, it's it's a mix between different things. Um, but, you know, as we always say, everything he does is terrific. And if this was anybody else doing this right now, Trump would be calling them a flip-flopper. Because if we remember correctly, Trump ran, he was, you know, he wants to get people out of Afghanistan. He has a plan on his destiny to destroy ISIS immediately. It's going to be over, and uh, that's not the case right now. He's going to commit more time and more troops into going into Afghanistan. And I love his. his I, I was sitting there with my parents last night, and when he goes, my original instinct was to pull out. And historically, I like to follow my instincts. He always has to throw something in there about I'm so smart, my instincts are the best. Doing this is the best. Um, but then he goes, you know, um, I, I'm going to actually. Uh, I, he basically said he found out that sitting behind the desk in the Oval Office, it's a little more difficult. So I I would give him credit for that, though I'm sure he didn't write that actual line. Um, But, you know, he's flip-flopping and saying that he's he's learning, he's growing, that's the reason behind that. Uh, But if Obama did that, you think he'd give him the same same attitude? I don't think so. Absolutely not. And again, throwing in the part about, you know, I always trust my instinct, his instincts are greater than anybody else's, that's narcissism on display. And again, I keep going back to history, but the president should take another lesson from, you know, more recent history, Lyndon Johnson in 1968. It cost him the ability to run for another term in the White House because the war that he refused to lose, Vietnam, was not going the way he had expected it to. So, again, these are situations that we're not necessarily facing for the first time. If only the president would pay attention. And what the president does does have an actual result on the morale of, of the soldiers on the on the ground. I know your father was in Vietnam. We talked about it before. I had a teacher in high school, and he was actually in, I think it was Peter Jennings' Century. And one of the things he said was, you know, the, we're talking about Johnson. You know, the, the president doesn't want to stick around and fight for us in this war. Why should we be doing that? You know, and, and, you know, Trump really hasn't gone that far quite yet. But you have to remember all the wacky things he says regarding Afghanistan and now Pakistan and other things, that affects the people who are going to go and put their lives on the line to fight the war that he's saying he should they should be doing it. I mean, he has to really be careful uh, what he says when he when it comes around to these soldiers. Right, defending the man's game plan may not be that easy to do. And especially though he's he's making a point to say that nation building is is not the goal. Forget the uh, I guess the George W. Bush doctrine of spreading democracy democracy around the world. Uh, that they're to kill terrorists, not to build a nation, which. I mean, I understand to a certain degree when you you try something and it fails and to move on. But again, I don't think he has to be so forceful with the things he says. Uh, again, I'm going there to kill terrorists. So that basically says they're going there to kill off Afghans. And if you're an Afghan, are you going to you know welcome us with open arms if you're afraid you can get shot and killed? Well, and more importantly, the idea that – yeah, I can see to a certain extent and can agree that it's not America's job to go around the country and spread its democracy – around the world, excuse me, and spread its democracy and, and that we should be nation building everywhere. But the problem in that is – When you go in and you dismantle the government structure of a country, when you overthrow topple a regime, you blow up, you know, bomb out a country or a region. If you don't participate in some type of nation building, you are setting up a breeding ground for future terrorism. That's where these, you know, the vacuum of power comes to play and groups like Al Qaeda or 
ISIS or whoever it may be, where they come to the top trying to, to gain some power. And that's where these terrorists are bred. I mean, Kevin, you have children. And when they play with toys and take them out of the box, when they're done playing, they have to put them back in the box. That's how it goes. Uh, America is involved in this war in Afghanistan. It's not Bush. It's not Obama. It's not Trump. It's America as a country. We went in there following 9-11, and people, some people agree that, some people don't. Um, but we went in there, and we blew it to hell thinking we could win. Now, whether we can win or not, again, it's another discussion for another time. But you can't just blow them to hell and then say, well, we tried, then leave them to their own devices. You're right. It's, it's terrorist breeding grounds. I mean, there's it, – it's, it's not like an and or. It's not like we kill terrorists or we nation build. You, you can go in there and do a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, find out what works and what's right. But Trump speaks in such absolutes, which is what always gets my goat, that uh, it's either this or that. It's not both. Right. And to say that the two previous presidents were not also seeking out terrorists while fighting in Afghanistan, you know, is ridiculous. That's why we went there to begin with. We didn't go there to try to build a democracy in Afghanistan. It was to root out Al Qaeda and the Taliban for allowing Al Qaeda to practice in the country. And for all the differences between George W. Bush and Barack Obama, the one thing they had in common is they wanted to get rid of ISIS. They wanted to get rid of al-Qaeda. They wanted to win the war in Afghanistan. Um, but again, because they're Americans. Uh, they put the partisan nonsense behind when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, uh, And as if we don't have enough problems right now with Afghanistan, um, President Trump also went on the attack uh, to Pakistan. He said you know, we can no longer be silent about Pakistan's safe havens for terrorist organizations, the Taliban, and other groups. Yes, I understand that's where we found Osama bin Laden was uh, over the border in in Pakistan. But again, we have to be careful. Not only are I mean, for all their faults, they're I guess a regional ally of ours. They also are a nuclear power. You don't need to get like a nuclear power so pissed off at us uh, when we are going to need their help sooner rather than later. Again, um, some of the points Trump make Trumps makes. I, I can see the point he's going for, but the way he says it is so stupid. It's just giving them ultimatums and yelling at them, which do, do you think Pakistan's going to be like, well, Trump said that to us now. I guess we have to listen to what he says, and they're probably pissed off at him this morning. Yeah, we're worried about North Korea, who is just now developing the capability. What about Pakistan, who already has it, has had it for a while, not to be trifled with? Yeah, it's, again, it's just making more messes in more places around the world. Um, and of course, Trump always uh, never to be the one to take the blame for anything. Um, he blamed the administrations that came before him. He blamed the Bush administration. He blamed the Obama administration. Um, Trump was quick to claim that the 2011 troop uh, drawdown deadline in Iraq, which was done by George W. Bush, um, was for the was the, the reason that ISIS uh, came up uh, again. We're Americans. George W. Bush is no longer president. You don't have to start attacking him, blaming him for ISIS. There's nothing to gain from that politically other than just saying, you know, it, it wasn't me. And then it comes to Obama. He didn't actually say Obama's name, um, but he bashed him for restrictions that prevented the Secretary of Defense and other commanders in the field to fully and swiftly wage battle against the enemy. He's basically against micromanaging uh, and just wants to give – the generals on the ground carte blanche to do whatever they they see fit. Um, I'm not a military man. I don't necessarily know whether I agree with that or not. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I, I'm glad you asked because I, I do believe that wars can't be fought or directed by generals alone, right? Generals are military trained and they've reached the highest echelon of their branch of the service. 
they would seem to prefer using force. It's what they're trained to do. And that's exactly why the commander in chief is a civilian. You know, there needs to be that give and take between those who are trained to use force and then those who are trained to use diplomacy. Or at least we would hope they were trained to use diplomacy to try to find that middle ground and to see what amount of force is reasonable and then where things can be negotiated. The second I heard him say that, the first thing that came to my mind was that for the first time that something goes wrong on the ground, Trump is just going to say, wasn't my fault. I gave them the power to make the decisions. This general or this admiral, this whatever made the mistake, not me. Uh, and, and he can just, sh- again, shift blame away from himself. Well, as we've seen before, that is his modus operandi. Shift blame and place it on somebody else and shift the focus from one problem to another. You know, it, it's really tough. And I was thinking this last night that uh, on this podcast, we like to say that we look at things down the middle. Obviously, we have a point of view, but we try to be fair on both sides. But it's really – it's gotten to the point when I just see Trump come on and start talking. I don't know if it's cadence, the way he says things, uh, or just how he kind of lies a lot. I, I immediately just get really upset hearing him talk. And you know, I think that's personally something I have to work on, um, even though I think we're probably in the right. Um, I, I feel I, I get mad at him immediately uh, when I when I say that's not what I want to do. Well, I find myself just having to read, you know, either quotes from news articles or transcripts of his speeches because I have a very difficult time watching him and and believing or taking him seriously, and, and he, much like you said, it agitates me to no end to listen to the man speak, mostly because I disagree with what he's saying, and also because I, I don't see legitimacy in him as a president. So when I read about it afterwards and read transcripts afterwards, I can do it more uh, with a level head, which you know allows me to kind of take the good with the bad. When speaking of reading, at the beginning of this, he went into a little bit of the Charlottesville stuff and how we all have to come together and, and yada, yada, yada. Um, and, and people were saying, well, again, he's having much more of a measured response to this. There's a big difference, and we can all see it. it it's not something we're making up that when Trump is reading something, how Trump sounds, and when Trump is actually saying what he really thinks – uh, when the thing that got in tr- Trump in big trouble last week was when he was just yelling at reporters and, and spouting off what he really was you know, thought inside, and uh, that's when you see kind of the, the the craziness that is in this White House. It's when he can come out and, and read something that was written for him that takes like three or four minutes. You go, oh, you know, maybe he's learning his lesson. I don't think so. He's just uh, learning to stay on 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 topic a little better, and that never lasts too long. I don't think. I think we need to be accepting of the fact that Donald Trump is who he is and he's not going to change. We keep waiting for that to happen. Like, oh, he's going to finally become presidential. He's going to finally get it. He's going to understand and get it together. I don't think that's going to happen. There will be times where he's more measured than others, depending on his mood. And then there will be times where he's completely off the wall. And that's what we're in for for the next three years. And that really leads into our next uh, point of discussion. So last Friday, Donald Trump, uh, he fired his chief strategist, Steve Bannon. He's been around for a long time. Uh, we were all really happy uh, when it happened because he, so he's a Breitbart guy. We don't – things – well, first of all, the, I, I applaud him if, if what the mooch said about him is true. Good for him. But uh, I, we've heard him say things about Jared and about Ivanka and about these you know these, these cucks. You know, he hates the moderates. 
um, all, all this stuff. But Bannon being gone, people have been bringing this up. He may be gone, but as long as you have the person in the White House, in the Oval Office, um, I, we're not sure things are actually going to change. Um, I, I, how, how much how much do you think Bannon affected what happened in the administration? Well, I think that you're right in the sense that Donald Trump is has his set of beliefs as well. And his reaction to Charlottesville, if that's any indicator now, by all reports, Bannon was to have been fired. This was all set in motion before Charlottesville even happened. So theoretically, Donald Trump's response to that was of his own. Uh, so obviously, on his own, Trump has certain beliefs, uh, nationalistic, right-wing uh, beliefs. But you know, if Bannon had his ear, as much as we were kind of led to believe, certainly in the campaign for the presidency, and then in the early months, you know, some of that had to be rubbing off on the president and and informing the decisions he was making. And there's a very famous picture going around the internet now, and it's Trump and Pence in the Oval Office, and also in the picture are Rance Priebus, Spicy, uh, General uh, Flynn, and uh, our boy Bannon, and they're all gone now. And it's just amazing that that many uh, of his, how much of his inner circle could be gone in seven months. I understand you know, these things happen. It's a, it's a, the White House is a fluid uh, atmosphere, but just for them to be gone that quickly, it just blows my mind. So apparently, this was in the work in the works for a couple of weeks. Um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders claimed the decision to leave was mutual. Uh, they, they wanted to give him the chance to. Resigned, but he was never going to do that. He was never going to go down without a fight. Um, but see, Sarah Huckabee Sanders says, you know, White House Chief of Staff John Kelly and Steve Bannon have mutually agreed today would be Steve's last day. And and we all wondered if if he was just going to go like scorched earth on the Trump administration as he walked out the door. But I guess it doesn't seem like he's going to be doing that, at least as of now. No, not entirely. But who knows what he's got up his sleeve now that he's back over at Breitbart. Breitbart, Breitbart, the 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 alt right, which Trump says does not exist. Um, you know, Trump tweeted out he thanks Steve Bannon for all the service uh, for campaigning campaign against crooked Hillary. Can't you know resist that one last dig? Um, but this is something I thought was fantastic because I, I actually follow him on Twitter and, and saw this. So Joshua Green uh, wrote a book on Steve Bannon. It's called The Devil's Bargain, which I've actually wanted to get because it sounds. You know, as absurd as the Mooch interview. Like it's just, the stories you hear in this are just crazy. Um, and the Washington Post wrote a story about it and said that uh, Trump had been upset about Bannon's participation in the book, particularly a cover photo giving him equal billing to Trump. And it, by the way, this is about this is a book about Bannon. So of course it's giving him equal billing as Trump. Um, and it says that every time that Green was on CNN, where he's now a contributor, Trump grew unhappy with the references to Bannon as a thinker, as a strategist, and was upset the conversation was not about Trump. Now, by the way, if this is one of your main guys, you should be happy that the general public thinks this guy is a strategist and a thinker, not jealous. Um, so Bannon's critics in the White House uh, would always bring up the book and always bring up Joshua Green just to piss off Trump more to push him to get rid of Bannon. Um, this guy's an egomaniac. This is stuff we knew already, but it just it blows my mind that he's mad that people are saying nice things about people that work for him. And again, that whole 25th Amendment, uh, you know, the ability of the president to conduct uh, the office, you know, is he mentally stable enough with all these um, these issues, the narcissism and his inability to, 
you know, allow other people to get the credit they deserve. You know, it's it's unbelievable. But, you know, hey, we're seven months in, eight months in. We know what's going to happen now. I mean, this is the kind of attitude that keeps this podcast going. So I guess bad for the country, good for us. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. So when Bannon left, he ended up tweeting out. He went back to Breitbart. He's running. I, I believe they said they were a pirate ship without a captain for seven months or a year or whatever. But now he's our matey. He's back in charge. And he said, I'm leaving the White House to go to war for, with Trump or, or for, excuse me, the war for Trump against his opponents on Capitol Hill, on media and in corporate America. So it almost seems that he was released from his duties as White House um, chief strategist. But he's still going to be doing the same crap, just not from within the, the Oval Office. Oh, joy. Oh, joy. Although since he's been back at Breitbart, it's been a little shady towards Trump. Uh, after his speech last night, Breitbart had a, had a story saying Trump re- reverses course and will send more troops to Afghanistan, um, defends flip-flop in somber speech. That's not exactly pro-Trump. Um, there's a GQ article that said Steve Bannon already has Breitbart staffers whispering about impeaching Donald Trump. So who knows – how much uh, Bannon is actually still behind Trump, how much he wants to get back at him for any of the perceived slights or actual slights he's faced. It's going to be an interesting time in the next couple of months to see uh, where Bannon and Breitbart go in the whole Trump issue. So rather than scorched earth, perhaps a more sinister and sneaky approach to getting back at the president. If you had to ask me um, if Bannon was a sneaky and sinister guy, I'd be like, well, yeah, that pretty much uh, sums up him when I look at him. Fits the bill. Though I loved um, – on John Oliver, they put a picture of Steve Bannon next to Martin Sheen, and it was basically like, yeah, if Martin Sheen had just like drank to his liver exploded, he would have looked like Steve Bannon. Because you, you know, Steve Bannon was actually a handsome dude back in like high school and college. I saw a picture of him like, oh, I mean like you know, he, he's no young uh, Marlon Brando, but he's not a bad-looking dude. Um, so I don't know what he just did to destroy himself over like the next 20 or 30 years, but uh, – and not that we should be talking about people's appearance. You know, it's not cool, but – Come on. So in the as we're recording this, it's about 9.30 on the East Coast. In about half an hour or so, Trump's going to start speaking uh, at a rally in Phoenix. We don't know exactly what he's going to say. Um, and Kevin, I haven't had a chance to talk to, you, to talk to you about this before we started recording. But I want to talk about just some of the storylines going in and, and get your opinion. So first of all, the Phoenix mayor – or the mayor of Phoenix, uh, Greg Stanton, did not want Trump coming here. He said he's disappointed that Trump chose this time to hold a campaign rally. Uh, right? I mean, he sees this for what it is. He's trying to use Charlottesville and either use that to his advantage or change the story. Uh, he said this is not the right time for this type of rally. I can see that you can see that. The mayor can see that. Why can't Trump supporters see that? Well, Trump himself has said in the past that he prefers the under or lower educated mm. folks from within the ranks that maybe are not able to see through, you know, to what it really is. I don't know. You see what you want to see. You know, I guess if, if that's your guy or your girl or who, you know, whoever it is, you're going to go out there and have a good time and, and support them. But it just it seems so weird, especially um, that he has such an odd relationship with other politicians in the state of Arizona. I mean, his 
arguably two of his worst relationships are with the senators of Arizona, uh, John McCain and Jeff Flake. Remember, he's a guy who said he doesn't like McCain uh, because he likes people who don't get captured. Um, Within the last couple weeks, he can't figure out whether he's a a hero or traitor because he flip-flops back and forth. Uh, McCain basically is responsible for the uh, ACA repeal going down. Um, He's called Jeff Flake a flake, which is uh, not very original. He also called him toxic, and he's openly supported Jeff Flake's primary opponent, Kelly Ward, who's actually going to be at the rally tonight. You know, I, I know these guys may not be perfect, but they're your state senators, and you voted them in, um, and it looks like people are willing just to kind of throw their allegiance to those guys away for the president. It, it's an odd ex- – I don't think I've ever seen somebody come to a state with two Republican senators – who he hates and has talked trash about openly and have a giant rally there. I, I, what do you make of the situation? Well, nothing that this president has done has been orthodox. And yeah. because of you know, the conditions that he seems to have, uh, the narcissism, uh, et cetera, he doesn't see that people disagree with him. Right? He refuses to see that or believe that or, or what have you. So... You know, this probably just goes right over his head. I mean, it's that, really the point of these rallies when you think of them. It's just the, oh, people love me again because they're cheering for me. And there were five billion people there, no matter what anybody says. Oh. Yeah, you see what you want to see and believe what you want to believe, I guess. <sighs> and the last I guess, news story that's coming out prior to this, and if something wacky goes down and you're listening to us tomorrow morning and we're not talking about it because it hasn't happened yet, I apologize. Um, with this whole Sheriff Joe Arpaio thing, um, where the former sheriff was found guilty last month of a criminal content for disregarding a court order in racial profiling cases, you know, because, of course, he doesn't you – know, that's just liberal nonsense going through the courts. Um, he won't be attending the rally he, because he wasn't invited because he doesn't want to go. Um, but there was some talk about him being pardoned by Donald Trump. Um, Sarah Kimmy Sanders has said, you know, I, I can tell you that there will be no discussion of that today and no point, no action will be taken today. Yeah, but she's not saying it's not going to happen. And this is really weird because, one, it's not like he's even served a sentence. Two, this is a misdemeanor where usually these parts are used for felonies, uh, things of that nature. I mean, it's basically just paying back a guy that he likes who said good things about Trump so he has a clean criminal record, and uh, it's kind of misuse of power in my view. Well, any use of the presidential pardon to get around uh, some of the possible illegalities that Donald Trump has in his pocket, you know, these would all be – an abuse of power. And I fear that we're going to see that type of abuse of power when things start to get close to the president. Well, when you really think about it, isn't the entire Trump presidency, is that legal or is that not legal? I'm not, I'm not sure. It's kind of on the line there. Uh, so this is really just par for the course so far. That it is. Well, before we go any further, I want to give a chance for you guys to listen to one of our fellow podcasts on the Apes Podcast Network. Take it away, guys. Welcome to Confession Radio, the show where people write in for advice. My name's Piers Ray. My name is Eric Ivanovich. My name is Bruce Warzniak. My name is Lenny Zuckerman. My name is Dr. Latrice Drain. My name is Dr. John McGrail. And my name is David Allen, creator and host of Confession Radio. Here at Confession Radio, we love to help other people. As you heard, some of the awesome elite team that we have that are willing to help you with your problems. Don't forget to visit the website, confessionradio.com. 
Net. You can hear us on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And also, we are featured on iHeartRadio. So stay tuned because here comes Confession Radio. Confession Radio is for entertainment purposes only. So the ongoing struggle between Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell continues this week uh, in several different areas, although some information came out uh, just tonight, which we'll get to in a second. Um, the news that I liked was that you know, Trump, his his mantra for the past year, year and a half, has all been about fake news. Fake news. If it says something bad about me, it's fake news. One well, Monday, uh, Mitch, yeah, I would say, kind of threw some more shade at Trump by telling a group at the Louisville Chamber of Commerce that most news is not fake. Uh, he goes, what I do every morning, there's a couple of services I look at that give me a, a synopsis of articles. I was the dude who would take those articles and give them to the congressman in, in a past job, so I know exactly what he's talking about. Uh, he says, in my view, most of the news is not fake, but I do try to look at a variety of sources, and he even looks at things like, you know, the failing New York Times, as Donald Trump would say, uh, and some other things that Trump does not like. So, I mean, these are things I guess he doesn't have to comment, but if Trump is going to kind of subtly go after him, or maybe not so subtly go after him, he can kind of hit back with these kind of pieces, which is not a direct hit at Trump, but we all know what he's talking about. Well, finally, at least some rationality from the Republican Party, right? Yes, most news is not fake. That is true. There are always going to be news sources out there that distort things and spin stories from their perspective. But the majority of news, especially from uh, reputable news sources like Washington Post, New York Times, that's not fake news. That's just the way the president (laughs) is trying to twist it. And one thing, though, McConnell does highlight the importance of reading multiple news sources to get a full picture. That is absolutely true. You should always do that, because even amongst the reputable news sources, there might be particular slants based on the journalist that wrote the article, etc. So you should always read from a couple of different sources. And he's absolutely right. But the majority of news is not fake. I mean, one of the things we've talked about over and over in this podcast is that we have a Republican in the White House. We have Republican control of the House and Republican control of the Senate. Yet they can't get anything done. It's because of stupid infighting like this. Uh, if they're not on the same side, they're not going to they're not going to pass tax reform like they want. It's I don't even think tax reform will go as far as health care reform. Uh, we still it's been several months since the initial response uh, report on it, and we haven't seen anything else other than that one page uh, piece of paper with several bullet points on it. Uh, so tonight, actually, uh, reports came out on where did this feud start? Uh, why do these two guys not like each other? And apparently, they haven't spoken to each other in about two weeks. They had a phone call where they both ended up screaming at each other. And the shouting match began uh, when an angry Trump told McConnell how pissed off he was at the congressional investigation into the Russian interference from the U.S. elections. Um, he doesn't think that um, Trump, that, that McConnell is defending him enough. Um, as being his president and his party. He doesn't like that he had to sign this Russian sanctions bill because it just keeps people talking about Russia. Uh, it's basically why he got rid of Comey, it seems like. Uh, I don't like this. It doesn't look good for me. Why aren't you protecting me? Why aren't you pledging your loyalty to me? Um, and and McConnell, for all of his faults, is a political animal. And I, I, we've said this in the past that maybe he thinks he can outlast outlast Trump, but... You know, again, Trump has to stop demanding loyalty from people. They're they don't work for him. They're an equal uh, they're an equal form of government. They're legislative to his executive. Trump has to understand exactly how our form of government works. That the senator is not beholden to the president at all, but to the constituents of their state. 
mean, checks and balances exist for a reason. Um, you, you shouldn't threaten the people who can check check you in certain areas. Um, luckily, he really can't threaten the uh, judiciary branch, although I'm sure he can always certainly try. So I'm sure this will keep going on and on. And it's one of the few cases where I'll actually take Mitch McConnell's side. So good job, Mitch. That a boy. That a boy. Um, last thing tonight is—is is it really a discussion? Because honestly, I mean, I don't know enough about to, better to really talk about her. Um, but Hope Pips, she's been named the at least the interim communications director. Um, she's Trump's longtime aide. Uh, she previously was a White House director of strategic communications, and I think she's this longest-serving political aide. She's also close to Trump, Ivanka, and Jared. And honestly, that's all I really know about her. I'm sure I could have done more research, but, you know, I'm, I'm bad Jesse. Well, Do you know anything about her? I can tell you this. Much like the two of us, Hope Hicks is a Connecticut native. I, I did see that. But, she, she, but she's not really from Connecticut. She's from, like, New York suburbs. She's the Gold Coast, right? She's from yeah. Greenwich. <laughs> graduated from Greenwich High School in 2006, went on to Southern Methodist University uh, down in Dallas, Texas, graduated in 2010, uh, during her teenage years, was a part-time model for Ralph Lauren. Okay, so she's, she's got a pretty, she's a pretty looking girl. I'll give her that. Yeah, you know, she's got the pedigree. Woman, you know? woman. I'm sorry, I don't want to be sexist. Pretty woman. You're starting to sound like the president, but anyway. <laughs> uh, so she later got involved uh, with politics and got involved with Donald Trump's campaign and has worked her way right up the ladder. See, that tends to happen when everybody else starts uh, quitting or being fired. You uh, work your way from the bottom to the top pretty fast. If I saw one thing when I worked in the Senate, it's that these dudes just fail upwards. You just stick around, and eventually the guys above you fall away or go away, and you just get promoted. And you shouldn't be I – mean, I'm not saying she shouldn't be there, although God, it makes me feel old when I saw she was born, I believe, in 1988. And I go, God, she's so young. And she's like 29 or 28 or something. It's not – that young, but it makes me feel like an old man myself being 36 that I can look at someone that and go, God, the kids these days, you know? Kids these so, days. I mean, hey, at that age, you were working in the Senate or, you know, something like that, right? Yeah, I mean, kids, people that age are running the country from, from Congress, I guess, went at the White House, too. Um, the most important reason to bring up Hope, Kip, Hope Hicks is that she may not necessarily be new, but she's new in this position. She's new entry to this cast of characters uh, that we talk about every week. So we, I'm sure um, along with uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, we'll be talking more and more about her uh, when the president says something he's not supposed to say. And we'll see how she handles that. It could be as early as tomorrow, the way uh, things seem to go. So uh, Hope, welcome to the big leagues. And we look forward to uh, discussing you on a weekly basis. Can't wait. So what do you got for us for Kevin's Corner? Well, Jesse... Recent events in our country have shown us the danger of ideological extremism. Despite how it may be portrayed or how it may seem to some, this country is much more moderate than we realize. Perpetrators of such dastardly events as white supremacy rallies are a small minority in America and do not represent the best interests of average Americans. Despite the president's belief that he is captaining his own ship, advisors such as the recently fired Steve Bannon have had much to do with fashioning the administration's platform. The presidency is a job that truly is too extensive for one person to tackle by themselves. The American people need to have faith that those closest to the president are leading him in the best interest of all Americans. We can only hope that the absence of Bannon will have a positive effect. Well, it can't get much worse, right? 
Well, uh, that was fantastic, Kevin. Uh, to everybody listening, we love to have you here. Remember to go to our website at www.grabthembythepod for all the links to all of our goodies. And until next week, Kevin, it's been a pleasure. We'll see you then. Later. Later.